0: Welcome to the show Travel Conversations by the Rustic Travel Podcast. This is a show where we will try to recreate those best moments we have all experienced while traveling, which is meeting new people and hearing about their stories and experiences. In each episode, we will have a guest traveler with the most interesting story and travel experience. Today's guest is Kranti Kiran.
1: But I think it was a lot of moments that uh happened to me all through my life uh, which kind of uh, kindled my interest to travel to new places and meet new people and understand and explore new cultures. In fact, as a traveler, you would always uh, realize that we are all uh, kind of uh, um, paradoxes to ourselves. Like you do this journey and explore and realize that uh, everything outside you is also inside you and what, what you actually interact with is actually an interaction with yourself and how you process it and receive it.
0: Kranti has graduated from the prestigious IIT Roorkee and IIM Bangalore. A senior corporate executive in a German MNC, he is a true yogi at heart and teaches yoga pro bono. This philosophy and spirituality has also reflected in his other passion, traveling. He is a true believer in sustainable travel that includes close interactions with the local communities, leaving no footprints but creating maximum positive impact. He has traveled across continents, from Oceania to South America. And that's what we are going to focus on today. His backpacking trip to South America a few years ago. I'm your host, Rajesh Nair, along with your co-host, Hemant Soring.
1: Thanks for the introduction.
0: <laughs> great great uh, to know your passion for traveling, Kranti. So uh, tell us as to how did it all start?
1: I don't know exactly when it started because... Uh... Uh, yeah, I tried to answer it myself and I did not have an answer actually, but I think it was a lot of moments that uh, happened to me all through my life, uh, which kind of uh, kindled my interest to travel to new places and meet new people and understand and explore new cultures. So as a kid, uh, my dad works in a bank and uh, I had to go from place to place from Andhra to uh, West Bengal to, uh, you know, where this place is always keepy, keeping on the move, right? So um uh, so that exposed me to kind of uh, always new environments new people uh, new language in addition to that as i grew up i also started to have fascination for new places uh, 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 outside india also because uh, so far it was always about india and my dad traveling uh, taking best of travel trips out uh, in india but outside india also i was fascinated to see how it would look like because i don't know if i would get an opportunity to kind of uh, go outside india so that was just a curiosity, actually.
2: Hey, Mathur. Hey, uh, so tell us more about uh, uh, where all have you traveled so far? Within India, I had been
1: traveling a lot uh, on work. Uh, so my work uh, as a sales, uh, residential sales, actually allowed me to cover a lot of uh, places within India. Outside India, I had traveled to, I started with Turkey. Been to Australia, New Zealand, Russia, bit of Middle East for a while, um, South America, a lot of Europe. So this is <laughs> uh, because I stayed in Europe and I work with a German company. So I would go to Munich every year. And uh, the, the first year I had been to was for the longest stint for seven seven months. That's where I did a thirty day backpacking trip across Europe. That was actually the first time I did a backpacking trip. Uh, it really changed my whole perspective of traveling and. Uh, uh, exploring, I would say.
2: Is there something which uh, you know, backpacking allows you to do, which you prefer over, let's say, a luxury travel?
1: Yes, I think uh, I travel primarily to be uh, not in my comfort zones. I travel because I want to be outside my comfort zones. The experience of backpacking is my own uh, choice to, uh, to, to live um, in a way that uh, maximizes my experience. And minimize my spend. Yeah, that's how I see it. In fact, as a traveler, you'll always uh, realize that we are all uh, kind of uh, um, paradoxes to ourselves, right? So you can uh, both these qualities of us um, surface. And, uh, and, and this is what uh, is beautiful uh, about traveling, that you do this journey and explore and realize that uh, everything outside you is also inside you. And what you, what you actually interact with is actually and interaction with yourself and how you process it and receive it. So um, the other side is actually your own side, I would say. (laughs) And uh, I was just trying to go back to my South America trip and realize that uh, I had so much of experiences there that I can't even count now. So many beautiful memories of of the trip, uh, only because I could actually uh, um, uh, do backpacking.
2: So when I say, Bienvenido como esta kranti, what does it mean to you? Very <laughs> good. Uh, How are you?
1: Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I wanted to always go to Amazon uh, rainforests. And, uh, and then I said, I can't just go for Amazon. Like, oh, so it's just 36 hours of travel uh, from India. So I don't want to just go there and come back uh, with just uh, exploring Amazon. I just want to build a trip around it. So that's how I kind of uh, started this trip and um, picked up a bit of Spanish to kind of get along with the locals. You know? So, muchas gracias, or all these basic uh, uh, travel um, uh, lingo that you can kind of use to navigate through, uh, you know, some circumstances. It didn't work well, but <laughs> somehow most of the times I use gestures like you know, if you want to eat, sleep, and these kind of things actually work uh, uh, with body language than real language.
2: Let's start from your journey from India to South America and back. Right from the process of visa, right from the decision process of, you know, buying tickets or booking there. Uh, so the entire process, because a lot of our listeners would want to travel to South America, would want to back, back in South America. And something this would really, really be useful to them.
1: With regards to travel, uh, plans and visa and ticket book, I built it around Amazons, basically. And uh, with Amazons, I had to choose whether I want to stay in Brazil because Brazil also is a gateway to the Amazonas uh, or Peru. So I said, okay, let's uh, start with Peru because Peru is kind of a cheaper way to enter Amazonas. Um, So that was the start. So I said, okay, Peru will be definitely on the list. And then, okay, let's also add Machu Picchu because, you know, uh, machu picchu is also in peru and you can do uh, the trek to machu picchu but then i said can i just do one week trip one week trip to south america or can i just do uh, uh, two weeks so I, I added one more week but then what what about that one more week should i do uh, uh, i don't know argentina or chile or bolivia like i was recommended my friend uh, said do the uh, salt uh, um, mines in bolivia and all that so I had to kind of choose because at that time I had no, like Colombia was kind of in a, a red zone. You know, for travelers, you can't travel uh, to, like, it was still under kind of some tension and all that. But being the person I am, I chose to, <laughs> to go with Colombia somehow. I said, okay, if it's red, that's for me. You know? So uh, I just went on, you know, adding Colombia to the trip. And then I said, okay, two weeks is enough because I'm, I'm going to spend a lot of uh, travel time to go out there. And I don't know how, when I'll go back to South America. So I just added, I said, okay, let me add one more week. So I added one more week and I I, I said, okay, let's go to Brazil or then some other country. And then I chose Argentina. Somehow one of my friends recommended that I should go to Patagonia. It's very beautiful. So um, then I had to choose between Chile and and uh, Argentina. So I finally chose uh, Argentina. So that's what Peru, Colombia and Argentina have.
0: One one question, uh, Kranti. you said, you know, going to Amazonas through Peru is cheaper rather than Brazil. Yes. In what way is that?
1: Uh, first of all, Brazil is a huge country and uh, uh, I have read it on the internet if, uh, I mean, if you have accommodations and all that uh, in Brazil versus Peru, um, Peru would actually give, give you more options to, to stay at. And also it's a smaller uh, stretch of Amazonas you have access to, but then it's also very less explored. My traveling is more about how, how the locals uh, live. So um, offbeat, off uh, peak and off the whatever. So uh, that was my choice for Peru.
2: So while you were doing the research for all the three countries, um, how, did you, how did your visa thing happen? Because yes yeah, so day, yeah. with an indian passport <laughs> and i believe you would need three separate visas for three different yeah days. this was what so uh, tell yeah, us was, more like, about that.
1: all that i thought uh, i mean i didn't realize this uh, like uh, south america was still in my mind it was like one country <laughs> okay so i thought it's just one visa to south america for an indian uh, and I, later on i realized that you need three visas and each visa takes a certain period period of time right so i had to plan for a 30 day uh, trip First of all, which means, uh, um, yeah, the, the, all the bookings had to be done beforehand because as an Indian uh, passport holder, you have to always show your itinerary before you go. So day-wise, itinerary has to be done. So I had to kind of book them, uh, all the hostels have to, I'm staying at. And then I also um, had to choose which country I should apply to for visa first, which one gets processed faster. In fact, one of the reasons why I did not do Brazil was this. also because I also want to include Brazil and make a really big one but then Brazil itself is a big country. So I thought I can't, I, can't, I need one month for Brazil, you so, so I, and Brazil visa also takes a lot of time to get processed. right now I think it's free. I mean, it's great news for Indians to go visit Brazil, but uh, in 2016 it wasn't. I applied to Peru first uh, and then Argentina. Uh, Colombia, uh, I also applied. It was more uh, where you don't have to give your passport, basically, you can just um, apply with uh, online. E visa. However, I did not get Colombian visa approved uh, when I began my trip. So I wasn't sure even if I was going to Colombia uh, when I uh, was, in Peru, was in Peru. It was just two days ahead of uh, my Colombian uh, trip uh, that I had my visa in, in hand. It was like a lot of frantic uh, last minute things I had to do. It was not easy actually to, uh, to plan this trip. And somehow things fell in place. I uh, had to go to Delhi to kind of get my Argentina uh, visa done so i had to flow to delhi uh to get an interview uh, you know uh, process uh, through and uh, yeah was so it, it same, was not it really the same me. for
2: peru as well
1: ah uh, no peru I, no it was was sent back to me uh from bangalore itself i remember i didn't have to go for an interview but
2: and but argentina they called can like an for average me. how much time it took for the visa to uh, come through for each of these countries I would say two
1: weeks for each, I would say two to three weeks.
2: Yeah. Wow. So basically, when you're planning for a South America trip, yes, you have three countries with you. At an average, let's say it takes two weeks with a buffer of one week you put for each country, which means nine weeks, which is like close to two months. And the risk of it, uh, the risk is that you have to send your passport, right? Right. So, and, and travel to, get to Delhi, if you're not in Delhi, for places like yes. How do you decide which route? Because South America is really far away, right? 30 hours at least. And you have to make a stopover somewhere. So either you make a stopover, I don't know, Dubai, either you make a stopover in Europe, you make a stopover in North America.
1: I mean, I had to go for the cheapest uh, flight tickets available. Um, I explored various routes uh, via France um, or via Middle East or via USA as well or, or via Europe, uh, via London with British Airways. Eventually, I chose British Airways as my yeah, travel uh, airlines, with one condition that I had to take a uh, transit in London. Actually, I also apply for transit visa for London. So <laughs> this was another challenge, but somehow I got it done. Uh, transit visa was easier to get. Uh, it was 36 hours from me, actually, so uh, with uh, nine hours of transit in London, and then uh, still I didn't go all the way to uh, Peru, uh, I went to uh, Sao Paulo, and then from Sao Paulo, again I have to transit, so it was a very tiring journey, I would say, but I was kind of fit enough to kind of do this, I mean, you know, overall three days, I've just gone going and coming, right, so, Bangalore to, to London, to Sao Paulo, to, uh, to Lima, that's my onward. Uh, and I've, I mean, I've traveled from there, uh, on flights and speedboats sometimes, <laughs> uh, across Peru to, 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 uh, to Colombia to, uh, Argentina, and then flew back from Buenos Aires, um, to, um, to again, London and, uh, back to Bangalore.
2: So once you landed in Lima, so take us through, uh, uh Kranti from, you from Lima till, till you came back. Okay, one of the
1: things I always want to travel for, I mean, one of the reasons I actually am um, fascinated with traveling is I had friends uh, in most of the countries I'm traveling to. I mean, somehow I'm lucky that way. Uh, So in in, in Peru, I had a friend called Manuel uh, who had come on exchange (laughs) and uh, I made good friends with him and said, okay, hey guys, I'm coming and so-and-so date. So So he actually uh, hosted me. So I was staying at his place. And so one of the things that, you know, as a traveler, it is, of course, you need to uh, uh, cut down on your expenses in terms of accommodation and flights. Yeah, this is important. Um, So you have to go for the cheapest options. You kind of 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 find some hacks. Also, one of the best hacks is to actually have a friend in the country. And the local is a much more, uh, is the best option to have, right? Because local means it's almost like you are living with him. You see his day-to-day life, what kind of breakfast he has, what he cooks, eats, He will take you to the places he goes to frequently. And, and so I, I really was lucky to actually have a friend in Peru, So he came to receive me Lima and uh, introduced me to his family and introduced to me to the, to my bed, all the, all your day, you can explore by yourself. He took, uh, took me out in the evenings, uh, you know, uh, to various places in, in, in Lima, Lima was on the coast, right. And then Cusco and uh, this Machu Picchu trek was in the mountains.
2: Right. So, so Kranti, Cusco, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Cusco is the ancient uh, old capital of the Inca civilization, is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. And uh, to go to Machu Picchu, you have to, that's the g- gateway.
1: Yes, yes, it's a gateway to Machu Picchu, yes. Um, so
2: you flew into uh, uh, Ma- uh, Cusco from Lima.
1: Yes, from Lima to Cusco. Uh, i took a minimal uh, uh, i didn't carry everything so i chose to kind of travel light to uh, cusco because i knew i have to come back to uh, lima to take a flight again to Equitos. so iquitos is the uh, is access to amazonas from peru side the the chain of landscape from lima being the coast the food was all seafood right to uh, to mountainous food which is uh, all these potatoes and all that Pe- peru has this the uh, incas the mountains of uh, of the incas and all that you have a lot of uh, varieties of potatoes, like right? so many different varieties, right? Uh, the food is all potato-based. And then you go to Amazonas, where it's all uh, real-life <laughs> food. So you actually eat some kind of uh, raw stuff, everything, right? From the Amazon, or jungles, every day. Uh, from tribes, you can actually get to also meet the food that, e- that, that is eaten by tribes, right? So the the, the food, the change of the scenery on the plate was very interesting, not just on the outside, but on the plate itself, the food got (laughs) very interesting as they explored various uh, choices.
2: Incidentally, uh, South America is where the first potato came from, right? Uh, It was. That's the origin of potatoes. That's how all of us, and we have now a lot of, uh, right, from patata, bhaji to everything, whatever. Thanks to the South Americans who actually grew it there. Right Now, yeah. uh, Peru, uh, from what I hear, read, and uh, I've been there as well, so the food there is uh, pretty eclectic and different. Uh, even the drinks also. You want to uh, uh, tell us about your experience? Uh, what all did you have? And what all you should recommend? Uh,
1: ceviche, yeah. Ceviche is, the, is one of the popular uh, dish, uh, And also pisco sour is one thing that's like a very, very popular there. So my friend introduced me to Pisco Sour and- That's uh, an
2: alcoholic drink, beverage. It's an
1: alcoholic drink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. With, with a lot of citrus and all that. So if you're into bitter stuff, and <laughs> I know it, it's very interesting to actually have a, it's like a sundowner. You actually see the sun set, and then you have a Pisco Sour in your hand. And uh, very local varieties. Lukuma is one thing uh, also uh, that's very interesting for vegetarians
0: mm. do you have a lot of options there do you have options or
1: Yeah? at that time i wasn't exploring vegetarian as as uh, as much <laughs> because uh, <laughs> uh, <I laughs> now like i if i travel now i would definitely recommend the vegetarian uh, food uh, i mean i would have seen that side as well but at that time i, I was like uh, more into exploring whatever the locals eat
2: so i think peru also has the signature uh, local dish uh, uh, in which uh, which is a non-vegetarian thing of uh, guinea pig. Ah, yeah, I remember.
1: This was in Cusco. Yeah, I missed. Yeah, uh, Cusco. I think, yes. uh, in Cusco, yes, if, if they offer this. I didn't. I didn't uh, try that actually. But uh... yeah. so you need to go <laughs> back again and try
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember this. So somebody flying into Cusco. Uh, I believe Cusco is at uh, I think almost same altitude as SLA, I think Around three and a half thousand meters. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. Yes, right. yes so which is pretty high and uh, yes. i remember going to ladakh and they advise us to stay put for two days so yes. is that how the yeah. norm is how how does it work out
1: uh, yeah that's the norm but i didn't follow the norm <laughs> so, okay. so actually i'm I, i'm i'm not a right person to kind of travel with <laughs> because you'll actually get a bad experience i can deal with it myself but um, so but i think your, you, based point, on your experience
2: uh, all of us can do Something else? What you didn't do?
1: Yes, yes, exactly. So I was advised also to come two days earlier and stay there and all that. But two days in Cusco means what would I do? And I mean, I had to take a risk because I had to kind of. Uh, I thought I'll do the trip uh, and go back. I had a kind of a itinerary really like that. Somehow I missed that part of it, and I kind of underestimated that because later on in the trek I experienced some kind of a problem uh, in the last day, and I had to kind of take the horse. Uh, Ride back uh, to the to Machu Picchu basically. Okay. So so let's this... let's talk about
2: uh, the Inca Trail, the trek you talked about. So how 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 did it start? Where it starts from? How many days it is? What happens during this trek? I mean, do you have to carry your own bags? Do you camp out? Is it cold? how uh, tell us about the Inca Trail. Should one take the trek or should one go by a train? There's a train also, I believe. Some Bingham yes. uh, <laughs> train, right? Uh, the guy who. Found, uh, on Machu Picchu. So t- tell us more about uh, your experience of the Inca Trail. So on, so my my onward to
1: uh, Machu Picchu was a trek. By coming back, I took the train. So that's one thing I did. I want to actually have both the experiences of train and the trek. The trek, I took the Lares trek. Lares trek is one of the treks. Uh, you have three treks possible. This was a kind of a medium a difficulty trek, but more cultural. So you actually get to interact with the locals. And I also choose a company which is run by locals. So... Uh, it was a four day trek uh, mostly uh, it's very mountainous uh, and you're carrying uh, your bags but more, the porters are also there with you right? so you're just carrying your basic day uh, pack uh, you know for your water needs or uh, basic whatever uh, gear that you carry and we would be camping in the night so um, it's cold surely so you have to carry your own uh, like warm jackets and all that they would also give you Uh, kind of a warm um, packet uh, to hold next to you. Uh, You know, uh, that's also water. But if you drink more of water, then the cold is not there. So The the heat, the warmth is not there. So you have to choose between whether you want to drink or use the warmth. Is it for warmth? So uh, all the sleeping bags were there. You had to, again, make a choice like that. Um, And there are no bathrooms right there, right? So it's like an open pit where you actually actually go and, uh, you know... (laughs) Do your uh, calls. Uh, so it it's a very uh, rustic experience, I would say, very very rustic, uh, in a way. Because um, and I always wanted to do that uh, that way. So you wake up to kind of a still moon is out in the su- in the sky, and uh, you no, know, it's chilly, and you still want to do it because you just want to experience that. You know, you don't do it uh, very often, right, in life, to uh, to experience it. So. It's a very nice uh, experience. Also, you, on the day, you are also interacting with the locals, right? You buy some local um, uh, textile, like I think, uh, um, I forgot, but the, 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 the wool uh, of, 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 of llamas, that in that trip is when I was carrying this uh, Fujifilm uh, Instax camera. So I, that was my, uh, just an experiment I wanted to do because I thought uh, people would love to actually keep uh, memories uh, for themselves. So I was taking the Instax um, pictures of them and giving out to them rather than keeping it for myself. This was a big change for myself as a traveler that I didn't want to take pictures for myself, but also create moments for others to actually, who come uh, in, in touch with me or who left a really kind of a lasting ex- impression on me. I would always hand out these small pocket size Instax uh, uh, Photos of themselves with my comments. So I'd always carry a DVD marker or something like that to kind of write. Okay, after Machu Picchu, I had gone back to uh, the Lima and carried my entire bag, uh, uh, their baggage. Then uh, flew to Equitos. Uh, Equitos is the is the you know the gateway to the Amazonas from the Peru side. Right? It was interesting to see. Uh, it was there was still a con- conflict going on between rubber plantations, uh, you know, owners trying to cut down or, or uh, eat into the Amazonas and versus the tribes living out there that time as well. So I was also kind of uh, talking with locals and people out there on that topic. Uh, I also had the great opportunity to interact with the tribes themselves uh, on a boat. So I hired a, I hired a boat for myself, and uh, I made good friends with the boat guy and went to meet the tribes. I played games uh, like you shoot an arrow, like. Yeah, uh, I danced with them for a while. I spent quite some half day uh, with the, the locals because something you don't do quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you you still see that they are living a very basic life. Very, very basic life. Uh, um, so for them, we are a very exciting species, right? <laughs> We're all uh, comforts and all that, but they are quite okay with uh, very simple living and uh, smiling and you know, all that. Families, called all everybody comes together so i started again um taking the pictures of them and they were so happy because they never saw a picture of themselves uh, uh and then slowly the entire families uh, came together as a group photo and all that i still have the picture of that it's it's my best moment i would say in the entire trip uh, that i could meet with the tribes and uh, and uh, give back the memories rather than me taking away uh, some memories for myself it's also that interaction as i said as a traveler, I always want to not just be somebody who's taking it for myself, but also uh, leaving some kind of impression for other person. Because I also feel it's it's something that uh, a traveling should do. As a tra- you know, you should be able to exchange uh, and create some good uh, vibe uh, between two people or two, two groups when when you do it.
0: But, and there are no restrictions right Kranti, to go and meet the tribal it's like not like the Andaman and Nicobar where you know you can't go and meet them right because they are an endangered tribe
1: yeah so the, the tribes I met are those who have always been already been talked to before and they already are prepared to welcome um, outsiders and uh, tourists uh, there are also still uh, tribes who are uncontacted un- and they would la- allow to be uh, left uncontacted Okay, one more thing I will tell you in Amazonas. So a lot of Americans who come to Amazonas, because it's just there, right? So there's like a weekend trip for them. They do the Machu Picchu trek and it's uh, uh, like a week trip, for example, and then they go to Amazonas. And they do this ayahuasca ritual. I met one guy who did, who did this. He was staying with me in the same uh, apartment uh, in Iquitos. Ayahuasca is like a, like a herb, like a, like a brew, which is, uh, which is done from plants. Um, and you take this kind of a, it's a ceremony, which is done by shamans. And uh, it's like hallucinogenic or psycholylic uh, psychedelic kind of stuff. And they go there to kind of, uh, you know, see all these visions and all these experiences and, uh, they have to go and follow some kind of a diet for two or three weeks, no abst- uh, abstinence from alcohol, drugs, uh, sex, and all that. So uh, I have met a lot of people there in Amazon. I was like, wow, it's interesting to kind of see this kind of, uh, uh, people coming over just for this ceremonies and all that, you know, it's supposedly quite healing. And you would uh, introduce you to the altered states of states of consciousness after the body experiences and stuff like that. Uh, the other side also, I've met people with bad experiences and it, it's, it, it, I think it's, it's very interesting. Uh, a lot of things like that in, in South America, yeah, even now uh, done by the natives. Okay. From after Amazonas had, uh, I had chosen to go to uh, Leticia. Laetitia is on the borders of Colombia, and I took a speed boat uh, to Leticia. So that boat. So, uh, uh, Kranti,
0: when you cross from one country to another, say Peru to Colombia, I mean, it's it's just a free uh, whatever freeway, or you know, there is some checking and you must know, like that.
1: Uh yeah, yeah there, yes, there is some checking. Yes, there is. Uh, there is. So, but it's very um, fluid, I would say at least at the time I had been to. So you take the speedboat. Uh, I kind of didn't know it was for 10 hours. I just read it on the, on the internet. I just chose the speedboat. So sp- but, speed, uh, ten,
2: speed in the boat was just a misnomer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought it's just next door, but it was like quite some time. Like 10 hours is quite long. And, um, uh, yeah, it, I had to wear a seatbelt <laughs> and, and I was with the locals. They were actually, it was like a, kind of a jetty, I would say. And um, <laughs> I was the only tourist there in that, in the entire board. Uh, uh, yeah, very, very basic food I uh, was, uh, was given. and uh, But as I, as I ended my journey, I went into this place called uh, Tres Fontaras. I think it's a life. it's like a, a border for three countries, uh, Peru, Colombia, and Brazil. At one point, uh, you actually can see all the three countries from that view. That's where I actually had to go to get my uh, visa checked. And, I, and then luckily by that time, I already got my visa uh, when I was in Peru. So I just showed that I got this visa on my phone. I showed this e-visa thing and then they just had to, I had to took some local tuk-tuk to go all the way. It's a very bumpy ride. Some officer wasn't there and he just came and said, oh, he just looked at me and... Uh, just stamped it and saying now welcome to colombia and all that okay fine <laughs> so fine that's why i got into colombia and one of the challenges i had was this uh, currency so so in peru it was uh, pesos right uh, sol 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 was the currency In colombia it was uh, pesos pesos and uh, so i tried to convert it from a uh, soul to uh to, to Pesos uh, uh, there as soon as I landed in Colombia and then I, I, I went I stayed at Leticia Leticia is also a nice place uh, where you could do um, I, I went to this place called Tanimboca uh, it's a reserve where you can do this canopy riding so from you actually do kind of a, you climb up to the canopy of the rainforest uh, and you have a good view of the canopies and you can do a zip line from one canopy to the other, so do different viewpoints, right? That's what I could do. And then I also went to this park, Santander, Santander Central Park, there, central place in, 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 in Leticia, where you could just sit and uh, all the birds would come and make a lot of noises there. Parrots and parakeets would come in, and uh, it's a very interesting uh, thing to also experience to see all this. Uh, I thought it's just a joke, uh, but I actually had gone there to visit myself, to see, experience it myself, and I saw a lot of birds coming in, and uh, they're being fed by locals and all that. It was like a uh, like an evening pastime for them, I think it was.
2: <laughs> so,
1: and I also took a bike, um, to a um, small bike trip to, uh, to Brazil side, because I thought, okay, at least let me experience the Brazilian side, <laughs> this short Brazilian trip to Tabitanga. So there, I, I tasted some Brazilian beer and uh, food and all that. And I came back by the evening and all that. So it was, uh, that was my first stop in, in Colombia. Leticia. It's a walled city. It's like a Ford city. Uh, the first thing I did was to go uh, pay tributes to uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. The, 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 the Nobel Prize winner <laughs> from South America, who I, whom everybody's proud of, at least in South America. Uh, he has written some wonderful books, <laughs> and uh, uh, he introduced uh, to the world something called magical realism and uh yeah i i had been that's where he's buried and apparently Cartagena was actually uh, his novel uh, was was set in a place called Mokando uh, and Cartagena was somehow closely resembling that place it was a fictional novel, but many people say it had resemblings to this place, so I had gone to uh uh, paid tributes to him at his statue. Then um, gone to also this Rosario Trail, Rosario Island Trail. Took a stop over at uh, one of the beach, Playa Blanca, like a white sand beach. where I just chilled, just did nothing and come back. There are a lot of these things. I mean, I met this traveler, a fellow traveler who lost all her documents. She came to kind of shoot or uh, do the coverage of the peace treaty between FARC rebels and... Uh, the Colombian uh, government. And uh, she was totally depressed. And I met her on the boat, on the Rosario Island boat uh, trail. And she said, um, There was a point where the guide asked, Who wants to go to the aquarium or who wants to chill on the beach? And she said, uh, I want to chill on the beach. And I felt somehow that I should be along with her to just chill on the beach because I was not interested in the aquarium part. So I just went uh, and uh, sat, and we both kind of caught on. Um, generally general conversation and then she shared a story. And and the good part is we still are in touch
2: even now. You talked about uh, the peace treaty between the FARC rebels and the government. Now, um, so you were there at a very historic time, right? But uh, I don't know how many people know who the FARC rebels were and what happened during that time. FARC
1: was an organization which was kind of uh, an anti-government movement. Right? So they were trying to support a lot of welfare activities they want to do, and the government was not taking care of the locals and communities so they're, they're, and all that.
2: So communist gorillas,
1: communist gorillas, yes. And I mean, th- their methods employed were kind of both uh, I don't know more violent in the in the eyes of some, and non-violent in the some of, in the eyes of some others. At that time, the government actually uh, was uh, proposing a kind of a peace treaty between the FARC rebels and the government that. They can be integrated into the society. And that was a proposal. And there was a vote happening at that point. Of time. On the day, I was... Uh, so, after Qatar, you know, I went to Medellin. Uh, you know, the, the famous or infamous space, uh, place of uh, Pablo Escobar. Um, but at that day, I had a lot of plans to do a lot of trips. But that day, I, I saw the entire city was shut down. That, of course, proved my plans. But uh, it also... Uh, allowed me to take part in a very historical moment.
2: Most of us, including me, have this uh, uh, idea about Colombia and which obviously comes from the stories we read or web series we see, like, you know, Narcos and all that. So we tend to sort of, you know, associate drugs, Pablo Escobar, drug cartels with Colombia. Now, you were at the heart of uh, Medellin, where Pablo Escobar was. Uh, how's it now there? Uh, are there any memorials? Do people talk about it?
1: Actually, this is one thing I also like about traveling. So there's one thing which the media portrays, right? And all the, you know, there's some image of a country before you travel. And you actually are carried away by those images that are uh, fed into you. Uh, one of the reasons I travel is to actually um, overcome those or kind of demystify these kind of images, you know, these biases that are created. And uh, so I just chose to go to Medellin and I realized it's one of the most planned cities. And if you look at it now, the urban transport, uh, the whole urban planning is beautiful now. It's it's one of the role model cities for many of the other country, um, other cities which are actually looking to adopt uh, such kind of uh, urban transport and urban planning. Uh, I was told, at least from the articles, that you know you have to be careful to go into certain neighborhoods and all that. Um, I was, of course, a bit wary about that. But there's nothing like shooting in the day, daylight, and this was like you could be mugged and all that, right? Mm, maybe I was lucky, I, but I, I realized also that uh, if you generally carry a positive image of a place in your heart. You would generally not encounter uh, any negative. uh, There might have been people who try to do that, but because I usually create, have a carry a positive mindset about the place and people, I have never seen them or tried to create a body language which would actually uh, give a feeling for them that they might uh, steal or they might rob me or something. So I try to not go by what media presents. Although in the articles they caution me. Uh, so it's it's very different now. And in fact, I think it has really uh, progressed a lot because of that negativity uh, in the past, because of these drug cartels and all that created in the minds of tourists. They actually are now promoting uh, much good behavior amongst the locals so that the, the past is overwritten uh, with good behavior and good treatment of uh, travelers. And I felt I had a good time. I had a great time uh, dancing in the pub there in the night, all night. And they are so great at Latin dancing and all that. And and it's the only place where I felt uh, everybody. Like I was in India and I I don't see everybody dancing. right? And there, dancing was a kind of a a means to socialize and get to know each other. right? So if you have to, you don't talk, you dance in South America, in in, in Medellin. And uh, I'd been to a very local pub, so I was the only local. Like non local, I would say. And um, uh, it was just beautiful. It's just uh, so I, I didn't feel that although the place had these moments of past, which were not great, but I think now it's very, very good. Uh, had some great uh, experience there.
0: Have, have yeah. people heard about India, Kranti, there?
1: Okay. I think during my entire trip, I was the only Indian. I came like I, I didn't find any, any other Indian. So things like Bollywood is quite popular, clearly. Yes, yes. Uh, yoga is quite popular. So as a, as a yoga practitioner, I could actually talk on the subject for quite some time. I could also introduce them to various practices that they can do, like breathing or uh, uh, postures they can actually uh, you know, include in their day-to-day activities. Generally, a very mysterious uh, image, because many people would not have traveled to India. They would have just heard about it from see, movies like Slumdog Millionaire, for example. Movies that are made for international audience, you know, <laughs> so, so they don't, they also have a wrong image about India, like, um, about, uh, uh, they've heard about a lot of things like Hinduism, for example, is a, is a mystery. They would not know what that is. Right. Uh, so I have to introduce to them the number of gods that we have, uh, you know, um, and the, and the beliefs and the way of life. Uh, and they also think that everybody is, is only one religion and all that. I said there's as many other religions also, co- that coexistence things, thing does not even uh, come. So there's a lot of wrong uh, images that I, I could uh, encounter when I met with people. And uh, I was the only Indian with many people whom they've met. Uh, so I could really take them through uh, at least my perspective of uh, India, having lived in various places, I could give them some, some kind of... Uh, you know, unprejudiced, unbiased, uh, you know, perspective of India. Not the perspective that was uh, coming from the media or the movies, you know. Uh, so it's not always like the weddings in India are always like this dance and <laughs> drama, but it's also very simple weddings with, uh, you know, uh, good family bonding and uh, all that. So I could uh, really uh, uh, create that for them, I, I feel. And uh, many of them actually have come back to visit India. So I did take them uh, to various places in South India especially because many people who come from outside India don't uh, somehow come to South of India. This is also one thing I experienced. And most of them are covering this triangle in in the North, like Mm -hmm. Delhi, Jaipur, Agra. And they would only want to come to Taj Mahal. I say, hey, come to Kerala. or Come to uh, Tamil Nadu. Come to Andhra Pradesh. Come to, you know, all the other players in the south as well and because they don't have any people travelling outside of India from south India they
2: would not uh, feel very confident of uh, travelling. So you are talking about uh, Colombia. Where where next? Where did you go next? So Medellin, I talked about uh, it's it's
1: beautiful I took this trail Pablo Escobar trail which is not recommended like it's not officially recommended so I still wanted to do it because what's the point of going all the way to Medellin uh, and not doing this so I did that. Uh, and uh, then I went to Sangil, Sangil is so, this place so it's, what's there in the
2: trail if I may ask
1: I we can't talk about it actually <laughs> I mean it's just like uh, his place his his habits and stuff like very it's a very unofficial trail right so it's, it's just done by some people who claim to know him or like yeah, the other family and all that the Escobar family still some cousins and brothers will be there so there's no official museum for him and all that nothing like that it's a very basic trail i just still wanted to do it out of curiosity so from from medellin uh, i had uh, taken a flight to bucaramanga it's like uh, bucaramanga is another place from where from there i had gone to Sangil. Sangil is the adventure capital of south america right so there i had um, um, i had planned to go for caving uh, rappelling rafting, and mountain biking. I could only do two of the four. As I told you, you can't plan in advance everything. And a day could be raining and all that. So on the day I wanted to do rappelling it was raining. And I couldn't do also the mountain biking thing. do. So instead I did, uh, I chose to go to Barichara, which is a very pretty village. So all cobblestone uh, you know, uh, streets and colonial uh, buildings, which is kind of very, very pretty. Um, and I tried local food there, and um, rafting. I did rafting in Suarez River. There's a rapid five. They were rafting, so it was a risk that I took to kind of do this because uh, it was swimming was recommended uh, for rapid five. Now, I did all rapid three and all that at Rishikesh and other places in India, but uh, uh, in South America, um, doing a rapid five wasn't recommended for uh, non-swimmers. I still took the risk. I said I can manage uh, (laughs) to take risks and all that. So, and uh, obviously it is bound to happen um, that the raft will kind of overturn. It's bound to happen. And it did overturn. And everybody in the raft actually went all over. Some people hit the rocks, came back bleeding and all that. I mean, it's it's kind of a bit of a risk. Uh, And I was the only one uh, who held on to the raft and somehow managed to hold on to it because I knew if I get, if I'm detached from the raft, I would die. This was very clear for me. So I was like holding on to my life, but I still want to experience it. So that was a very kind of a near-death experience for me. And, but if I had gone out of the raft, then I would have not been able to survive. And it's also like a whirlpools and rapids like goes up and it's total 90 degrees and all that. So it's not uh, easy to do it, but I wanted to do it. Rafting. Then uh, I also did caving. It's called spelunking. So this is also one thing I did. Um, It's also, again, a scary experience for me. Uh, You go um, underwater, underground, but underground underwater also. You're kind of knee or hip deep water, cold and muddy, right? And, and, And you're walking through, and then you have a lot of bats inside making noises, and sometimes you might be hit, whatever, you know? And uh, at one point of time, there's a kind of a, uh, kind of a stop. Like you see nothing in front. And then you think it's over, right? And then the guide says, Hey, no, you have to go under this and go to the other side. I said, what do you mean by that? You have to just go underwater and swim to the other side. I said, what do you mean? I I don't know how to swim. Oh, you can, you can. I'll go first and you, I'll give you a rope and you just have to uh, pull it towards you. I'll hold down the other side. And I was like, okay, I can try, but I have never been underwater for a long time. So that was a kind of an adventure where I had to go underwater. I can't walk. I just have to hold on to the rope and I'll be pulled. And I'll also be pulling at the same time and go outside. So it was like 10 seconds of underwater experience and like total darkness. And when I went to the other side, I was like thanking the universe that I actually could uh, come and see the world again. But on the other side, what you see is a ceiling full of uh, stalactites, Beautiful stalactites, beautiful rainy, really. and stalagmites in some places. Beautiful rainy. Really. Uh, just one thing I forgot in Colombia. Actually, okay. is this national sport of Colombia called Teo, T J O, Teo, Tejo, or something like that? And it's like this. I don't know if you can Google search something. You can find it. It's a national sport of Colombia. It's like a throwing game. You just throw some kind of a disc onto some target. Uh, at the distance. It's very interesting. It's like uh, and this target also could be. Uh, it actually is an envelope, the triangular and envelope with, filled with gunpowder. And uh, it could explode when the disc falls on the... Yeah, it's it's very interesting. You have a beer. And you know, I don't know. It's something you have to learn, You have to try it out. And uh, although it's also professional with people who come with a lot of practice and they can actually do it very well. But for me, um, I was recently, in, I was in Munich and I was doing this eye stock season, which is like a Bavarian curling. Like you have these eye stalks which you do. And I just had a memory of this game I was playing in Colombia. And this is also one more reason why I travel because I can connect the similarities across cultures using maybe different tools. But the, the, the intention of the game is to actually socialize and have a good time at the end of the day. Right? At the end of the day, every traveler, any person, anything that we do, all the pursuits are about good time and having a good social environment. And so this is one thing I think every traveler going to South America in Colombia should, should explore. Uh, the, the, play, the game of Teo. Easy.
2: Let's talk about uh, your last uh, uh, leg of the trip. It's Argentina. After uh, Colombia, you decided to go to Argentina. There, there you spent around I think 10 days or so. So how was that? Where all did you go? What all did you do? Okay, Argentina. So I,
1: I from Colombia, I'd flown to Argentina, to Buenos Aires. Uh, I didn't stay in Buenos Aires. I took a further flight to El Calafate. That's in Patagonia, basically. And uh, the only thing I wanted to do was go to Perito Moreno Glacier Because somebody just took a picture uh, and I was like, I was blown away by the picture. But I said, pictures, you know, if that's the case, then you don't actually have to travel, right? You can just, right now, you can do virtual traveling also. Like you can go to Eiffel Tower in Paris. You can go to Colosseum in Rome and all that. You can say, it's, I've seen the picture, so it's fine. But no matter how much of augmented reality, virtual reality worlds we create, the actual physical dimension of actually being there and experiencing it, uh, it it beats everything else. So so when I went to the glacier, I could experience, in a way, I don't know if global warming is real. It could be real. (laughs) It is real, yes. But there I experienced the melting of glaciers right in front of me. Such a beautiful glacier and the chunks of ice falling right in front of me was something I can't forget. I took like a video of that just to experience something that is happening, uh, whether it's naturally happening or it's because of all extra heat that is being generated because of our unsustainable livelihoods, and lifestyles that we have, right? Uh, this was something I really now, even now I remember. And uh, I did a walk called, a yeah, a walk uh, over the glacier uh, with the crampons and there's a guide who was kind of guiding us to kind of, uh, so that we can avoid all the crevices you know, you can, uh, you know, you might actually fall in deep and may not, never be found also. This can happen. This has happened, in fact. Uppsala Glacier. This is another beautiful glacier which you can go to and explore. Uh, I mean, these are nice. I mean, this is something I would never have come across such a beautiful, silent uh, world. Your your existence is very small and the glacier actually is, is what is, uh, what is kind of taking over the entire uh, environment, right? So you are just, you feel somehow just like you feel in front of the mountains or a big river, like right? you know, when you go to Mediterranean Sea and you feel like wow, the the horizon is like uh, infinite, and you feel like you you suddenly experience that spiritual part of you, like which is like uh, not just limited to the body, but actually expanded out into the world. And that is uh, what I experienced with Parito uh, Moreno glaciers. I have also from El Calafate, I had also been to El Chalten. El Charlton is another place which is just like an hour a bus uh, away, bus ride away. Uh, also a nice place. The best thing about El Charlton is um, there are a lot of trek parts, but you don't need a guide there. Laguna del Torre, I think that's the other one which I've been to. So two days, two treks. I had tried this mate tea. Mate. There's a specific way you actually drink it. So I got uh, for, as a souvenir that the cups in which the mate is powder is placed and uh, you know you heat them and drink them in special and special way and all that. South America is a beautiful place to travel and even now I think people might still worry about going to South America because it's not heard of. Many people don't travel to South America because of whatever distances, travel time, uh, unknown language and all that. It's not as organized as Europe in terms of traveling. But um, if you're a, kind of an adventurer at the heart and if you're willing to uh, let go of all these no rigidity in your mind. I think you can. You should surely visit, uh, and if possible, backpack uh, or yeah, uh, explore it like a local does. Right in in South America. So the so Argentina also has a great memories. Uh, has, has great memories for me. I ended my trip in Buenos Aires uh, with a tango performance uh, happening right in front. I was like, okay, done. I don't want anybody now. I just have my tango performance. Like and then my my Argentinian wine uh, and the Argentinian steak.
2: So, Kranti. Uh, so, you, I, I think you touched upon it. How safe is it to travel in South America? I have I have
1: met a lot of European women uh, traveling uh, in Colombia solo. Uh, most of them are backpacking also. Right? So, and somehow Europeans are quite used to backpacking. You know, within Europe itself and uh, South America for them, Patagonia also. There are a lot of I've met women also. I think you should just go out there and I, sometimes I don't know. Uh, it's just a matter of good fortune that you don't come across. Like this lady journalist who was covering this peace treaty, she lost all her uh, kit and documents and all that. But uh, after this place in Getsamani in um, in, in Katayena, Katayena is a neighborhood called Getsamani. It's a beautiful neighborhood and that's where I was having dinner with her. And next day she went, she flew to Bogota and from there she sent me a message saying that, Hey, you know what? Oh, I got all my documents and my, my kit intact. But I have I've never come across any kind of a situation for myself. And I have also met other, other women who are solo travelers. So you should, uh, uh, explore, uh, the countries, uh, within South America.
2: So how much, how much did it cost? Three to four lakhs for me. Okay. That, that's pretty economical. I would say for 30 days.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, I was very conscious about uh, not spending too much on my accommodation. This is uh, actually my, um, my mantra, let's say. It's always uh, never spend on uh, places to stay. Because all you're going there to is to sleep. It's not too difficult. I mean, people have a wrong perception that you need to have a lot of money to do, do it, way, you know, to travel. Yes, you need, some, you need money. I, I'm not discounting that. However, use that money for experiences. First of all, well, South America is not very expensive in general also, the currency is not very strong. So if you're, uh, so that ways, uh, the same quality of hotel you had to pay three, four times more in Europe, for example. So that ways you will uh, have less on your accommodation in general. But if you're also going for a budget hotel like that, it'll be even lower, right? Uh, number one. Number two, public transport, always. Public transport always. This also gives you a, a chance to uh, navigate and explore the place the way the locals would do.
2: Is the language a major barrier there? Especially like if you're you know taking the public transport or you know you don't have a contact there like you did, but generally people may not know.
1: If you know the language, it definitely improves your experience. That is definite. That is sure. However, uh, it should never be a barrier for not. Uh, traveling to that place. For example, uh, let me tell you, uh, I always, when I talk to people, I would say, hey, I'm going to here, uh, this place, but that I'm saying it in a bit of broken Spanish or Portuguese and a broken English. So I'll try to look at verbs, like going, what is a verb for going? Or uh, no, eating, these verbs, and use some gestures. And the other person will also appreciate because they also want to learn the other language. And uh, I keep doing this also, like I always take my Indian note out Indian currency note out, and uh, I showed them, uh, hey, you see there are so many different- country, uh, different languages we have in India on on the currency note and they're like wow I, I always thought India had only one language immediately after I came back from uh, from South America trip. I made this video on YouTube for myself actually of all the people I've met, not the places I've been to okay somehow uh, this and I called it um There are no others. I mean, uh, that's my tagline. And then this was actually uh, inspired by what Ramana Maharshi actually said when I was interviewed by someone. He was asked, hey, uh, how do you treat others? Uh, Ramana Maharshi said, there are no others. So it's just you. And uh, the wider your self is, the better you live. You know, if you separate it as others, then uh, you'll never be able to see this world in a beautiful way. And all these conflicts and all this, which we are actually seeing is because of the separation mindset. Uh, I think that stays with me because there's no others. Uh, It's just us. Uh, That's the line I would say.
2: Great, that's uh, very beautiful indeed. Um, thank you so much, Kanti, for uh, spending time with us and telling us about your experiences uh, of South America. I'm sure this podcast uh, would help a lot of listeners out there who are in the process of planning to go there. I'm one of them for sure. Thank you very much. Uh, muchas gracias, as they say in Espanol.
0: And Kranti, before we move on, you know, like uh, your experiences were amazing, you know, uh, what... Two things which I learned from you now was, one is, you know, how you gave back instead of taking selfies, you took a camera, you took a picture and give it back. First time I've heard somebody doing that, that's yeah. brilliant, you know. Yeah. And the yeah. second one is, I can relate to my experience where you said that, you know, whenever you go to a country or a city, you always have a positive image. I'll tell you why, because when I went to Cairo two years back. Now I can relate to it better, so that's why. When I went to Cairo two years back, the day I landed, it was the next day, I just took a stroll. And I had this in my mind, you know, a fear, inhibition, whatever you call it. And I, it was okay, and people were also okay. But suddenly a guy came, I don't know what all he told me. He started yelling at me. Maybe I had a negative image in my mind. I walked back to my hotel. So that's a great learning, you know. So next time, whenever I go, wherever I go, I will always do that. That's brilliant. Always have a positive thing.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Uh, Thanks. I'm happy that uh, you could get something out of it once again. (laughs) Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity, uh, both of you. And uh, yes, uh, keep traveling and uh, keep exploring yourself uh, and experiencing uh, life much more uh, richer. And uh, there's so much out there, which is also inside. So, you, you know, see that until you don't exist. You know, like the inside and outside should merge and then uh, you don't see the separation anymore between the inside and outside i think that's the way forward and that's what that's what travel should do and i am happy that Rustic travel is uh, you know trying to create such experiences for people travelers who want to go on to this on their own journeys and uh, facilitating this kind of process yeah thank you so much
2: Thank you so much for listening into another episode of the Rustic Travel Podcast. Hope you liked it. Please do send us your feedback so that we could improve with each episode. To get updated on future episodes of the shows, you could visit our website rustictravel.com forward slash podcast and subscribe to any of the podcasting apps as mentioned there. You could also follow Rustic Travel on Facebook. Instagram and Twitter to know about the new episodes or shows. Till then, travel safe, travel responsibly.